Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 105 in Edmonton, second hour of Oilers Now. Brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Still to come in this next hour of the show, we'll hear from NHL insider John Shannon after the 1.30 news. Got to some texts as well on our River Cree, pardon me, our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Ashley Fine Floors been providing winning results for over 35 years. That number is 780-496-0063. That's also the River Cree Resort Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. And that's exactly where we're going next to connect with David Staples from McCulta Hockey. David, how's it going today? Good, Brendan. I I'm uh, over my cold, I think, I hope, so I won't plague uh, your listeners with my uh, <laughs> I was, horrible I was gonna ask you uh, about that. gravelly voice. Excellent. Uh, I hope you got an herbal tea close, just in case, just in case. I got uh, Benelin. I've been swigging Benelin, Brent. <laughs> just to come on this, I've been downing Benelin straight from the bottle. That's so, dedication. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, <laughs> could go a bunch of different ways to start here, but we haven't talked to you since Darnell Nurse signed that contract extension. I was surprised to see a second bridge deal in a row, uh, but it seems like they met in the middle two years, $5.6 million per. I'd is it a hometown discount in your mind? What What is your take on that? I think it's a fair value contract is what it is. He was going for the Truba money. Um, that was the word, which was, um, you know, for this type of defenseman, and it's kind of a rare type of defenseman, isn't it? You know, this kind of guy who's not uh, like the ultimate elite kind of passer of the puck, but still puts up a lot of points. Darnell Nurse, the last time I checked, for all NHL defensemen at even strength, he was the 40th top scoring defenseman in the NHL. So he's right, you know, he's right there where he's not, you know, in the top 30. He's not a number one guy, but he's a top pairing guy. So he finds a way to get his even strength points. And a lot of people, um, they're kind of, they're worried that, that, you know, the owners didn't get a good deal here, that he might just leave town after two years or that kind of thing. But Brendan, I like the vibe around this contract. Everything we hear about Nurse is that he wants to stay here, wants to be an oiler. So I'm not worried about the term. The fact is a player could sign for four, five, eight years. And if he's a good player and he doesn't want to be there, he will make a stink and he will get a trade out of town. So the whole key to, to keeping a player uh, in, a, in a community is with the franchise is make sure the term and the cap hit are livable 
and also make sure that player's happy. And it sounds like Nurse is happy, so I'm not worried about him walking out on this deal. I think it's a fair value for a player who puts up points, is as nasty as hell, and is a great skater. So I, I like this deal a lot. And, you know, there's there's a core of the team, and he's very much involved in the core of the team, and I think that extends off of the ice as well, just in the friendship that he's got with the guys like the Connors and the Leon. So an important piece there. They get him done two years, $5.6 million per. Joe Kim Nygaard also re-ups with the team. I just don't think we've had a real strong look at what he's capable of to this point. He's got, uh, I believe it's nine points in 33 games. Now he's going to miss the better chunk of the rest of the season here with this broken hand. But obviously they see something in this guy's speed, his forechecking, and and possibly where he could go once he adjusts to the North American game a little bit more. I really like this signing because, uh, I I mean, from what I've seen of Nygaard, the owners were so painfully slow last year, as you will recall. They had lots of slow forwards, uh, Brodziak, Lucic, to name two of them, and the, the bottom six were just painfully slow. And it really limited the Oilers' ability to, when they were down a goal, they couldn't forecheck. They couldn't get cycle the puck in the offensive end because the, they'd send those uh, bottom six guys out there, and they just didn't have the speed to put the pressure on. Negard changes all that, and I really like the uh, what I call the grind line with Shea and Archibald when, when Negard is on it. Yeah. I, I find when Jujar Kara is on that line, that he and Cheyenne are kind of replicate each other's skills. They're both big kind of slower players. When Negard and Archibald are on that line with Cheyenne, though, who's a big, smart uh, defensive player, those guys are just buzzing on the attack. And that line suddenly became very effective in January um, before Negard got hurt. So I can see why the Oilers made that kind of signing. I mean, he did take a pay cut, $50,000 a year. It's a one-way deal, not a two-way deal, but he took a pay cut. And uh, he's very cheap and an effective checker already, and I think we'll see more offense. I'd love to see that line together in the playoffs this year. Yeah, and the other two I've heard rumored, I'm sure you have as well, those contract extensions for both Shea and Archibald, not too far uh, around the corner. Both done, what is the price valuation you're looking at this? I think if they can get them done both under three, maybe that's a little bit optimistic uh, on my part, but what do you think? I don't think so. No, I think for, the, you know, what are they making now? A million each, something like that. So um, I don't see them getting big raises. These guys aren't people who put up big numbers. They're checking line players who are ultimately replaceable. But when they find a home on a team, that's really good for them, and it's really good for the team. So I, I would see, I'm hoping that we see in the price range of a slight raise for both of them, not much of a raise at all. Um, so maybe I'm... Uh, a little bit optimistic in that regard, but that's what I would hope to see. Do you think that there's something to be said for bringing back the same uh, bottom six forwards, having that continuity year to year and, and letting them, you know, matriculate into the franchise a little bit more? Well, hockey really is a team game. You're you're strong as your weakest link. And so, yeah, I think it's important to have good bottom six players and the same guys. And, you know, you were referring to Nurse, how, how, what a big part of the team he is. I just think that's absolutely crucial for a winning team and also to keep McDavid and Dreisaitl happy in Edmonton. You want to keep some of their buddies on the team. I mean, the rumor, you know, to go way back, when Gretzky was traded, he said he was willing to be underpaid in Edmonton to keep this thing going with his friends Messier. And if if Paul Clinton hadn't moved to move the guy, um, he would have been happy to stay here for the long term, probably severely undervalued in terms of his worth. I don't think players are like that anymore. They're not going to take a lot less than they're worth. But I do think if we want to keep McDavid and Dreisaitl happy, we've got to think about the chemistry of the team. Um, 
people they like to play with, and that's factored into the decision. I also think it's actually just good hockey, though. Keep the same players around. You've got to change a few every year, but keep the same core group um, is a good idea, and that includes the, would, would include the checking line if they're getting the job done. Let's talk about the top line as we're joined here on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Top line now was Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins, and their capabilities were on full display last night. I think each of their games really complements each other really well, and for that reason, I hope that they aren't forced into a situation where they have to break this up in the absence of McDavid. But for now, as it is, that's a good, uh, good tick in line that they can rely on here, obviously. It is the hottest line in the NHL right now, and I, and I like I kind of think of them like they're all such smart players, and they improvise so well together and they combine so well. It's kind of like you know jazz musicians kind of working together. And I, so I kind of see them as the Leon Dreisaitl trio, kind of give them a jazz nickname. So since uh, Yamamoto came up on December 29th, Leon Dreisaitl has been the highest uh, points per game scorer in the NHL, 1.87. The fourth leading points per game scorer in the NHL since that time is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Fourth in the entire NHL, 21 points in 15 games. Yamamoto is 45th, um, 14 points in 15 games. But Yamo just got on the power play uh, for the first time last night. <laughs> Excuse me, that is, a, that is an incredible rate of production for that, for that unit. So in that time, and I hate to hit with more numbers, but here's I'll just give you a couple more. Sure. They have outscored at even strength, or at five on five, the opponents 15 to four. 15 to four. That's a 79% goal score percentage. And um, that's better than all, when you look at all the other top lines, Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos in Tampa, um, Marshawn, Pasternak, Bergeron in Boston, uh, Besser, Pedersen, and Miller in Vancouver. This is a higher goals for percentage than all of those other units uh, by about uh, 10%. Now, you could say that it, it's a small sample size, and that's a fair comment that this, this great, uh, the Leon Dreisaitl trio has only been together for, for about 14, 15 games. But, Brendan, do you think they're going to slow down? I don't know. They're looking pretty good. Yeah, they are looking good. And the, and the different ways that they're able to score goals, it doesn't all have to come off the rush. They can kill you on the cycle. Yamamoto is lethal within about a three-foot radius of that net, and he's willing to go there to get those garbage goals, as we saw last night. So the amount of, of different attacks that they can throw at a team is really what impresses me and would fear me if I'm on the other end of it. The only thing I worry about is Yamamoto getting injured because he's just throwing his body around with abandon. Yeah. He's digging in there, and he has been injured, right? But that's my other concern. He's been injured both of the last two seasons, maybe the last three as far as I think the last two for sure. So, you know, he, he's a smaller guy, um, and he just plays with such reckless abandon um, that I worry about that. But what a fantastic hockey player. You know, Nugent Hopkins came in the, into the season. I remember him saying he was just looking to find some chemistry with another line mate. You know, he, he, he had that with Taylor Hall and Everly, but he hadn't had that in a few years. And I'm so happy for the player to uh, have found dry settled Yamamoto, and he's just taken off. He looks like he's loving it. I don't even want to, I, I was going to talk to you about what happens if this gets broken up. I don't even want to go there until it happens. If, if this translates well onto this road trip, then we'll just leave well enough alone. But Tyler Benson got the call up here, and I want to get your thoughts on where he might slip into this lineup because we didn't see a whole lot of him in his first stint with the big club. Yeah, um, he he only got 14 minutes, so he didn't exactly get a chance to shine, did he? 
you know, I, I, again, I see him like a player like Sam Gagne. He's really smart, and he's solid defensively. He's not a great skater. He's a slow. He's kind of a mediocre NHL level skater. He's got to work on that. Um, so he could fit in well on an offensive line, but he's also responsible defensively. So, um, you know, the not to pick on Jujar Kara again, but I'm going to. He is the weakest performing forward on the Oilers right now, but he does add to the PK. So you'd have to balance up. Will Benson give you more on uh, at even strength than Jujar does when he's killing penalties? And you might take Kara out of the lineup and put Benson in, especially if you're playing a non-physical team and you just need a little bit more offense. Let's talk trades with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. I don't necessarily know that anything is imminent right now for the Oilers as the deadline approaches. It's coming up on the 24th of February. Um, just because there's not really a great market for what the Oilers need, and to me, that's that's more down the middle right now than it is on the wings, but the McDavid injury is kind of muddying things up, isn't it? Yes, but when he comes back, I do think he might need a winger. Um, you know, he's going to look at Dreisaitl with Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins. And he's gonna, <laughs> if he's human, he's going to have some envy. Yeah. Maybe he's not human. So I, here's the only thing I'm thinking. This is, this is a little bit of a radical suggestion, and not everyone's going to like it. And maybe it's wrong-headed. But I just wonder what is Adam Larson's long-term future with the Oilers. He's playing, I think he's a really solid hockey player. But you have this big three of Bear, Clefbaum, and Nurse. Eventually, all of them are going to get paid, and they're going to get paid a lot. Um, Larson, he's going to get paid, and he's going to get paid a lot because he's a pretty good player. And I just wonder, with the defensive depth that you have in the organization, including Chris Russell right now coming back eventually, and you've got Matt Benning and Caleb Jones, you've got seven defensemen who can play right now. Could you move? Is this the time to move Adam Larson for a forward? Is this the time when he has the most value to another team who wants him, who has a big hole on defense and wants him for the playoffs, but yet has a surplus forward who can help the Oilers for the playoffs. And, you know, it would be a big move for, for Ken Holland to make. And he'd have to be looking out a, two years, three years in advance, whether Larson fits in or not. But that's a trade that might be ready to go right now. Uh, I don't expect it to happen, but it, it, it could well. And that's just screaming to me the need on defense in Toronto, the need for a skilled <laughs> winger such as Kasperi Kapanen or Andreas Janssen. And I know this has been brought up time and again on Oilers Twitter, but is that sort of what you're thinking when you're talking about that type of deal for Larson? Yes, because Larson has another year on his contract. So be, you'll, you're going to want to get a player who's got term on his contract um, who can help the Oilers for the next couple of years going forward. And it's a bold move, but... Um, if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you can't have a surplus. Like it doesn't suit. Going forward, you don't want Caleb Jones in the stands or Benning in the stands or Russell. You want to play those guys, use that cap space most effectively. And if you're going to use all those guys, something's got to give. You got to, and that would be moving out Larson. Now you could also move out Russell if the trade's there, or possibly Benning. But I just I do see the Oilers being really strong on defense, needing it forward, and that's where the that's where I can see a trade being made. I guess my only reservation and, and totally agreeing with you there is that if they're pushing for playoffs this year, those are pretty young defenders to not have a fallback option like Adam Larson, who's been there before, can bring the grits, can clear out the front of the net, that sort of thing. What do you think about that point? Defensive depth is really important. And I don't think I'd be saying this if William Logason wasn't there, who could fill in on a bottom pairing role, or even Evan Bouchard. I mean, Evan Bouchard... 
Um, if the Oilers need more attacking on defense and to win the Stanley Cup, they might. Having Bouchard on the third pairing um, down the stretch and in the playoffs, I, I don't think it's that radical a suggestion anymore because Bouchard has really been killing at the HL level and because the Oilers still need more puck moving at the back end, I think. They just need to get better putting pucks to the net in the offensive zone, creating on the attack in the offensive end, and Bouchard could help. So that's only in an emergency, though, if one of those top six guys got hurt. But they do have Bouchard and Lagerson to fill in. David, always appreciate your time on Wednesdays. We'll make sure to do it again next week. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks so much. That is David Staples from The Call to Hockey. You can find his work uh, on Twitter at, the, at D Staples, and then certainly with the Edmonton Journal's page, The Call to Hockey. You already know that cars cost less in Wetaskiwin, so make sure you go down and see Uncle Milt, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford. They're an eight-time President's Diamonds Award winner for customer satisfaction, and they're blowing out 2019 F-150s. We're talking up to 20 grand off select models. Give Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin a call at 1-877-477-30. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 673 or visit brentridge.com. We're back with a James H. Brown injury report after this. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Where some guests received gift certificates to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood cooked right at your table. Edmonton South, Downtown Northside, Sherwood Park, and now open in West Edmonton Mall, Bourbon Street. Go check them out. Right now, we're going to the injury report. That's brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. As previously mentioned, James Neal was placed on the injured reserve this morning, retroactive to January 30th as he deals with a foot issue. That seven-day minimum has been exceeded already, so he can theoretically come back at any point here. Cam Atkinson will miss two to three weeks as well. Uh, Just on James Neal, again, I said it. We chatted with Bob before the team got on the plane this morning. That was before the announcement came out about Neil on the injured reserve. So I cannot confirm or deny whether he's on the trip. We'll definitely have that for you tomorrow on Oilers Now. Cam Atkinson will miss two to three weeks. He's got an injury. Seth Jones already given an eight to ten week timeline that'll end his regular season. He's got a broken ankle, so Columbus is hurting a bit there. Nazem Kadri out indefinitely for Colorado with a lower body issue. Lightning forward Steven Stamkos missing their last couple of games with a lower body injury. Anthony Shirelli and Nikita Kucherov both leaving their last game with lower body issues as well. They're all considered day-to-day right now. 
now. Habs forward Philip Deneau took a puck up top day-to-day with a mouth issue, thankfully avoiding serious injury there. Evgeny Kuznetsov, upper body issue, questionable moving forward, and of course all eyes on Jay Bomeister. After he collapsed on the Blues bench last night, he was alert, responsive, and is undergoing medical testing at the University of California, Irvine. We got a call. Let's quickly get to Chris from Phoenix on our River Cree Resort Casino hotline. Always a pleasure to hear from you, Chris. What's going on today? I should probably put you on the air first, shouldn't Foremost, I? There uh, you go. How's it going? Want to, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good now, my friend. Go. Sorry. So first and foremost, just want to you know uh, send my thoughts and prayers out to uh, Jay Bobby. So you never want to see that happen. That's, uh, that's a scary situation. Uh, as far as uh, as what David uh, mentioned, uh, I do that trade in a heartbeat. If it's uh, Adam Larson for uh, Kasperi Kapanen, I do that in a heartbeat. We do have uh, a plethora of, uh, of quality defensemen uh, that are up and coming and also that are currently on this Oiler, Oiler roster. When, uh, when Larson went down at the beginning of the season, uh, a lot of people were were scared that uh, we were going we to see some, uh, some bad hockey and that we were going to be in trouble. And to be honest, I really didn't uh, have a fear. Uh, to me, a player like uh, Clefbaum goes down, then we have an issue. Uh, to, to me, players like Larson, uh, although love the guy and, and glad he's been an older for these uh, these few years, those guys are, are replaceable. Uh, it, it's the it's the skilled defensemen that the NHL needs right now are, are what's what's coveted and what's harder to replace. And we have a lot of those guys. Uh, as far as the game last night, what a game! Uh, Leon is, is is phenomenal. Wow, um, Hart <laughs> Trophy candidate. Yep. Um, you know. MVP of the league. He's he's just taken this team right now, and uh, and that line in general. I, I'm so happy for Nuge. Uh He's one of my favorite players. I've loved him since we drafted him, and it's so great to see him happy and to see him successful. Because let's face it, for the past few years, the guy has been like he's put, he's been put on a line with with hardly mm-hmm. anybody. So to see him have success and, and happy, it only bodes well for us and and makes it that much easier for us to resign them and, and that's all I have and uh, great job all right, appreciate the call, Chris. Yeah, the the only reservation I have is is this: is Adam Larson to me is the type of player that if the Oilers get to the playoffs and start getting pushed around a little bit, when you start playing a team like a St. Louis, for example, you want Adam Larson on the ice. You need that physical presence. Maybe not next year, when Bear Jones and and, and company are a little bit older, but to me, this year. You'd miss him. However, is a young, uh, Andreas Janssen or a Kapanen going to be available next year? This is all stuff for Ken Holland to weigh. We're back with John Shannon after a quick timeout for a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Success comes. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.